hit that again when we're recording. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you start them off right. Yep. <laughs> we're going to lo-fi. <laughs> Nothing but the best for this podcast. Oh, I'm What's supposed the to. Name of I'm it? supposed yeah. to start. Yep. Jesus, the name <laughs> of it is for, what? I already <laughs> forgot the plan. This is recovered episode 80, 80. of Recovered AF podcast. I am a co-host. My name is Aaron. Some people call me Marte, uh-huh. the one man Parte. Never heard that. <laughs> well, I might be some people. <laughs> yeah, you call yourself that. Yeah. <laughs> that's just how I introduce myself. <laughs> oh, that's and awesome. Now you, it's I'll your do turn. The disclaimer. Yeah, the before other. you do a double disclaimer. Double. All right. Uh, just so we, we do this in every episode. We are not affiliated with any twelve-step organization. Um, those groups and organizations don't have spokespeople. If they do. They wouldn't pick Marte, the one-man party, <laughs> to, to be the representative, or me. Um, but uh, yeah, so basically anything that's discussed here is just my experience, Aaron's experience, or our guest, which we do have one today, yeah. their experience. And I'm going to let Marte introduce our guest Marte, Marte. and do uh, another disclaimer. Yeah, so... Um, this is uh, this sort of a cool deal. So, like I said, this is episode eighty of the podcast, and uh, so I joke around a lot of times about not having uh, only having four people listening, but we do have more people listen than to that. So, like, if you're one of those people, we're just this is gonna be our last podcast for a minute. For I'm not for I'm not sure how long. Um, you know, probably a month or two at least. Um, life is starting to get a little bit busy for us. Kyle's getting married here in, in about a month. And uh, three I'm, weeks, dude. Three, three weeks, yeah. And I'm just ready to take a time out for a little bit. And maybe I was thinking I could probably devote a little bit more of my time to my local 12 step fellowships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so we're going to be gone for a minute. But we thought uh, a cool way to peace out for a little while is to have uh, the guests that we haven't been able to have on yet. And that's my uh, lovely wife, Amber. So welcome to the show, Amber. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amber does still not want to be here. So she's doing this. Uh, this is this is pretty far outside of your comfort zone, yeah? Yes. And I want to do this because I want to, I, I am just impressed all the time how you guys are so vulnerable. So I want to, but I also couldn't sleep last night. Cause <laughs> 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 and, yeah. <laughs> Uh, being impressed, that's the, how I knew Amber was in love because it doesn't really matter what I do. She's impressed with it. And I was like, this is like shooting fish in a barrel. This it's is, a perfect fish. It's yeah. too easy. <laughs> that's oh, what happened when we that's met. So that's when we started dating. We'd known each other. But uh, yeah, we, we ran into each other at the bar and uh, she came up and sat down on my lap and that was pretty unlike her. And then the next thing I knew we were dancing and making out. I was like, Hey, this is great. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll take it. What was Sign appealing about Aaron? <laughs> I don't know. Cause we laughed that in high school he dated my best friend and I walked in on him at a party cheating on her. Oh no. And now I'm like, I'm going to marry that guy. <laughs> yeah. I've got to have that man in my life. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. I'm always curious about that though. Like, because I only know this Aaron. I didn't even know Aaron before he got sober. So what was he like as a young strapper? Was he uh, as funny and friendly or was he different? Or what was Aaron like and what what was appealing or, or not appealing? I think what I... 
I don't know, something, um, one of the things I thought was awesome about Aaron was he was always, has always been a hard worker. And so I remember he would do late night shifts at the refinery. And I was like, that's like my dad. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I like him. And he did construction. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's such a hard worker. So I loved his work ethic. Mm -hmm. And then he moved out of the house from his parents before, way before I did. So I admired that. <laughs> I was like, this guy's going places. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then always very life of the party. He was someone that I could hide behind, which I'm good at, mm -hmm. um, being in the background. And so it was easy for me. I didn't have to perform because he was the performer <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> being the joke and, um, the life of the party all the time. So it was relaxing for me. Mm -hmm. Where do you think that comes from, from you wanting to not be in the forefront and kind of just blend in and hang out on the outside and stuff? Um, well, you guys talk about um, doing therapy and stuff, and Aaron and I actually had done marriage counseling before we even married. <laughs> <laughs> We've been all up in that. Yeah. <laughs> We've seen been 77 different times <laughs> not 77 appointments <laughs> we've stopped and started 77 times <laughs> so i think through learning a lot about myself through therapy through um emdr too is um like when i look at my childhood it was a happy childhood and i didn't realize how um how much anxiety I had as a kid. And I was telling Aaron about this maybe a month ago um, that I had never told him before, but I would, I always felt insecure and like that I was a bad person. And um, I would do these, I don't know, these weird bets kind of like with God and the devil or whatever. And I would, as like a six-year-old, I and I would jump out of my top bedroom window because I was just like, oh, I don't want to go to hell, you know? And mm. I've got to, um, you know, I've got to do some, uh, I don't know, like a penance. And so, um, and then one time my mom caught me doing that. So then it was, I had to hold my breath for as long as I could. And it would be silly things like if you don't go through, if your parents don't make it through this stoplight, then you're going to hell. So then I'd have to like hold my breath till the next time we hit a stoplight. And that's one thing I can't do is hold my breath. And so it was always just this fear of I'm going to do something bad. I'm, um, I'm going, I'm just that I'm not right. And I still kind of have that today, mm -hmm. like, um, with my colleagues, uh, everybody hangs out in, you know, in front of my room for lunch and I just hide because I'm just, I just am scared all the time. Like being in, Aaron was laughing because I will leave the party to go hang out with that one odd person <laughs> who's like me or the dog. Because <laughs> that's where I feel safe and comfortable. I just, I'm always, I'm just, I've always constantly felt like I am not good enough and I'm like a bad person too. And I don't know. And like this kind of came up too is, I don't know if I ever told you this, but did you know that I wanted to be a nun? No. So I didn't know that. Yes. And, and I, 
and I really, I like love God and I had this relationship of course. And, um, but I was always had this fear too. Am I talking too much? No, please okay. keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, I think the reason why we have you on is so that you'll talk. I know, but yeah. damn it. Uh, uh, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> this, <laughs> this is great. This is You're really fun. good stuff. Yeah. yeah. So like when I went to college, I didn't, the only reason why I went to um, play soccer in college was because it was the Catholic school. And I was like, you know, I'm interested in, um, um, possibly, you know, hit in the monastery. And so um, I stayed a couple of nights with the nuns too. And I just, I would cry a lot in church. Like I would just always feel like I wasn't good enough. And I felt like if I was a nun, I'd be safe there. I wouldn't be sinning anymore. I'd be, I just felt like I'd be this Saint Teresa, the little rose with all my animals and St. Francis and everything and just safe. And then I met Aaron. Then I didn't become a nun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Way to go, Aaron. We do things that nuns don't do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, sorry, I'm probably going to talk more than you are, Aaron, just because I'm yeah, real curious. So um, I think. I'm just going to push this. Am I moving too much? No, you're fine. You're great. Okay. Yeah. Oh, thanks. I think that um, from what I know of you, you, your outside life, you were very good at sports. I believe you did very well in school. So, like, the feeling of not being good enough, your outside world and what you were doing would kind of suggest the contrary, right? Homecoming royalty. Yeah, stuff like that. Because I I felt the same way, and I had similar experiences of being homecoming royalty and and decent at sports and good in school and stuff, but still not feeling very adequate at anything I was doing. So I was just curious, did, like for me, that never, those two things didn't like connect. Did you ever think like, why do I feel this way, even though my my life is kind of suggesting the opposite or was it just kind of the only thing you ever knew? Um, I think that was the only thing I ever knew. I I had two older sisters and I also put on myself that pressure that I had to be the daughter that my parents didn't worry about. Mm -hmm. Um, One didn't like school, one, um, and then both of them kind of had issues with girlfriends and then um, one was so into boys and so... I had to make sure that I put this on myself, that I had to be the one with the good grades. I had to be the um, tomboy for my dad, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I also enjoyed doing those things. Um, And then I had to be the one that wasn't the drama and that they didn't have to worry about emotionally um, or financially. And so that was a lot why I think too into our marriage, um, I tried to, I don't know if I, I guess keep it a secret, but keep it from them how, um, I guess lonely I was, mm-hmm. uh, cause I didn't want them also to be mad at Aaron, but I just didn't want them to worry about me. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think that sort of answered probably the question I was going to ask is, um yeah like what what are the things that you did to combat those inadequ- inadequacies cuz 
like Kyle and I, it's real easy. We drank and did drugs, and that's how we tried to treat that internal condition. Um, you talked about, you know, tr striving to be an achiever. Was there other things that you did in your life to try and, um, you know, deal with your own feelings of inadequacy and, and fears? Probably, and at the time I didn't really realize there was a difference between um, religion and spirituality, and a lot of it would be religion. Like, there would be times where I would um, go to church, you know, um, and confession. <laughs> I'd go to confession like three times a week, and it would be stupid things that I'd be confessing, um, like not being considerate and getting in the right lane when I was, wasn't turning and being in front of people. I mean, it was just like I just felt guilty and horrible all the time. And so, um, and like right now, I'll s listen to um, to the rosary, you know, but it's not for desperation of like a penance or that I'm grasping for, um, I don't know, for whatever. <laughs> but I'm doing it because it's kind of like a meditation for me. So I think that's what I did a lot back then was I really um, focused and lit a lot of candles for Blessed Virgin Mary, you know, did a lot of that. Mm. Was, was it hard when Aaron started to really struggle with drinking and drugs? Like what, what was that experience like for you, was it something you thought, like, it? did you take on ownership of it? Like, it was your fault or anything? Because, like, that seems kind of like what, like, you were kind of, your MO, I guess, would be, like, you're taking on stuff. What, what was that experience like? And then when did you come to the realization that Aaron might be beyond any... Your, like your help, and he might need a God of his own. Um, okay, so there's a lot of things that are popping into my head, and Spit. so we may have to, like, come back to it yeah. if I don't get it all out. Um, well, kind of starting in chronological order, I guess. Um, when I grew up, I really didn't know any alcoholics. Um, my mom's dad was an alcoholic, but he had died before I was born, so I never knew him. And um, when my parents would have refinery parties and all these people would be over, nobody was like sloshed and drunk. So I didn't know what that looked like. So when Aaron and I did first start to date, we were both 21, we'd go to bars. So to me, that was normal. Mm -hmm. um, and then it was, he was doing it more often and I was in college and then I'd be stressed out about college stuff and uh, not able to go out. Um, but he was doing it often. And then I was like, well, if we ever get married, that would change. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then we got married and then I was like, if we ever have kids, that will change. And so it just kept, I just kept thinking, um, I don't know that, uh, things will get better because he's really not an alcoholic. It's just a kid being a kid. Mm -hmm. And then, um, then I think it was both of my older sisters with at least one of their marriages had married an alcoholic. And, um, I was like, well, I don't really think so. And this whole time too, I guess I should let you know that Aaron 
was into drugs as well, correct? Mm-hmm. But um, I didn't know about that. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was just thinking it was the alcohol. And then um, then when uh, now my jumping, I don't know if I'm going to no. if I'm missing stuff. You're so good. then the night where he told me, um, you just don't understand um, that I'm an alcoholic or whatever. So I don't know. Did you tell me you you were doing drugs too? No, I think what I think of what you're talking about, the way I remember it was like I came home one night and I was pretty hammered. And I basically had told you that um, I can maybe go periods of time, a, a few weeks or or a month or so without drinking, but there's never going to be a time in my life where I'm not going to need to go get fucked up every now and again to sort of reset that, I don't know, something in, in, inside of me wasn't was broken and that reset me. Something, does that sound about right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like that. But that was before, that was, I think, before a little bit before I came home and also then told you that I was leading a double life and injecting prescription painkillers. And so, and that like, I'm not being consistent with our talk here. Sorry. But that made me think of, okay, that made me think of something else is that he would go out a lot and this was during our marriage and I would be okay with that because he wasn't asking me to go do that Mm because for me to go out, it would make me feel very uncomfortable, and I didn't like doing that. And Aaron would never, like, tell me, I love you, or, you know, you're pretty. But then when he came home from the bars, it was like get that positive feedback that I always wanted. Mm-hmm. So it was like I got rewarded um, from letting him go do those things. Mm-hmm. And, like, one time I ruptured my Achilles, and um, then I had surgery, and I came home. And, um, he took some of my pills and went out that night and, or was that my gallbladder? That was the gallbladder. Both the gallbladder. Gallbladder, Okay. The gallbladder. And then, um, the night with the Achilles, I just remember you were ready for me to get out of the hospital because you wanted to go pick up my drugs. And I was just like, that's, that's, I'm not ready to leave yet. (laughs) And so, and my parents, I remember they were mad and I could see their mad their anger in their face. And I remember thinking, just buck up, Amber, because I didn't want them to be mad at you. Um, so I guess I'm just rambling and I don't even know where I'm going. Sorry. Well, you're fine. But, no, that's great. um, yeah. so I just always remember thinking at that time when you were going out to parties, that I was cool with that because then you'd come home too. And you'd tell me, Oh, I saw so and so, and they asked, "How are you doing?" And I told them how much I love you, and I was like, "Oh," because you would never tell me that. And if we were gonna go to a wedding or go out, I'd be like, "Aaron, in a week, I'm gonna dress up really nice." So you start thinking of a compliment, and then that week would go by, and then the day of the wedding, and you still wouldn't have a compliment. And I just remember being so hurt all the time because I just, I don't know, so. Um, I did, I did, um, I guess when you got drunk and you'd come home, that's when I would get the attention that I would want. And it wasn't physical, but it was, um, cause that's, I just wanted to hear your words, you know, that you adored me, that you loved me. And that's when I would finally hear it is when you were telling me stories of what you told other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... When 
Um, and then I first found out that you were actually, when you were saying you were alcoholic, and then you went to rehab, right? Um, now, just so you know, I can't remember stuff very well. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I think, yeah, I think several months before I told you I was doing the painkillers, I told you that there was something wrong with me and that I was going to always need a drink. And then several months later, I was like, oh, and by the way, I'm shooting IV drugs. And then that's when I went to treatment for the first time in no, 2012. That, yeah, that's when you're like, but I'm going to go. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was like, so may I step in yeah, here and yeah. help clarify? Yeah. Uh, so I was like, I, 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 got, I got really hammered and came home and finally spilled the beans because I was... I was, I, I don't know, anyway, I was down for, I thought, and uh, so I spilled the beans and told her that I was a drug addict, had been for a while, was using drugs intravenously, and she was like, she was so supportive, she was like, look, I'm, I'll support you and we'll get through this if you'll seek help, if you'll go to treatment, mm -hmm. and I was like, all right, I'll do that, and then I went on a three-day golf outing with my best friend, and uh, then I went and saw my therapist who had been seeing a long time. And he mentioned some other forms of recovery that weren't so intense. You know, it's always a good idea to go to treatment until it's time. Right. And then I yeah. came back and I was like, hey, babe, um, I'm still going to get help and I'm still going to whip this thing, but I'm not sure I need to go to treatment. <laughs> and I think there's this other thing we can try first. And she just gave me the fucking death stare. She was just like <laughs> the fucking glare. And yeah. she was like, oh, you're fucking going to treatment. <laughs> I Yeah, during and, your three. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, while I was gone for those three yeah. days, she was on the phone with the insurance, checking yep. out regional treatment centers, like <laughs> setting up, making all the arrangements yeah. for me. Because she knew I couldn't fucking do any of right. that. I was... So yeah. terrible at life. And then you were even doing Suboxone at the time. Uh, yep. And um, I remember, and I told you this too, I think just recently, but I called that doctor and I was just like, and they're not going to pay a 30-day rehab and you're part of this too. And I, he was like, well, I didn't know he was misusing it. And I was like, well, we both didn't know. And I was just <laughs> <laughs> so we got whole paid treatment for um rehab yeah, yeah, detox yeah. and rehab mm -hmm. and but and so when he came back from rehab at one point you were participating in the in a in the family fellowship and doing some of that stuff and i know you guys did like a couples group and some things like that when did you decide i i want to do something for me as well and what was that experience like um was it geared towards just being supportive for aaron or did you think i need to do this for my own health or kind of what was going on in your mind there i was doing it to be aaron's number one fan so <laughs> <laughs> i was like i'm gonna Yay, do that <laughs> Well, too, and wasn't it our 10-year anniversary? Nope, we had, number nine. Lucky number, number nine was spent in a treatment center yes. for family so weekend. So we had, they, <laughs> they awesome. let us come in. Um, they let me come in a day early where yeah. we could have, I remember it was the white and red plastic picnic table with the black and white plastic um, pepper and salt shakers, and that's where we had our nine-year anniversary. <laughs> anniversary dinner. With the ice rehab. cream. Tubs of ice cream. That's so awesome. But yeah, girl. Yeah, I joined Got it. Got yourself a good one, didn't you? <laughs> <I> did. <laughs> so, oh, lucky. I got to have this man I, making out with me. My... I love it. <laughs> that's so funny. Uh, but 
And then that was different too. I guess what's cool is because I remember the f- during that time when you were there, I remember you were joking, and that was I was still wasn't ready to joke. And I think what's cool now is I can joke about mm-hmm. um, some of the things now. So I know I'm definitely healing. But um, when you first got out, that was it. I was like, These are, this is what I got to do to be a good wife, you know, to be um, there for Aaron. I've got to be in this program. So I went hard. And um, I went with someone that was suggested, and it didn't go very well. So then I went with someone else. Ended up, thankfully, um, you can do that. You can go to different sponsors. And she was amazing. Um, and then, and Aaron even saw some growth when I was in the program, too. Oh, yeah. You tell him that story. Well, I don't want to do this thing where I'm the life of the party again. But I, I enjoy like, it. <laughs> yeah, so she got a sponsor, and she started doing the steps, and, and like, I didn't know what was going to happen. And then I experienced the change that she was feeling at one point. <laughs> I was like, I used to not be, I used to not keep my shit picked up all the time. And I have a lot of hats and they'd be all over the place. And, uh, and I couldn't, when I couldn't find a hat, I'd announce it. Oh, I can't find my so-and-so hat. And at that point, Amber would get up and start helping me looking for that hat. <laughs> and then, and then she would probably find the hat. And, and she had a sponsor and she was doing the steps and she was going through the work and I couldn't find my hat. And I was like, babe, I can't find my such and such hat. And she just looks over her shoulder on sitting on this couch, I think, and was like, well, Guess you better find another hat. <laughs> I was like, fuck those steps. Fuck that program. That's so awesome. Yeah, I was like, this is bullshit. <laughs> it was cute. But, oh, that's funny. So, and I was, I was, um, I guess I, my home group, I was the treasurer. And then for the district, I was the secretary. And I became very active. And And I wasn't really enjoying it. Mm -hmm. Um, But that was a role I was used to being, just keep doing it, Mm -hmm. um, even though whatever. And so when Aaron actually, and actually to back up um, before this too, um, one of the questions you had asked, Kyle, was how did I... um, how did I like, did I put pressure on myself Mm -hmm. for this? And I totally did. I felt like I wasn't a good enough wife. Um, and, and I also, um, I don't know if you know about this, but, um, I had the opportunity to be in an affair in an affair and I almost was. And, um, I was getting that, um, the verbal, um, I was being told, you know, you're pretty, you're this guy smart. was hitting on my wife at work all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mr. Brown, right? Is that what you guys call him? Yeah. 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 Mr. Mr. Brown. Mr. Brown. Mr. Brown. Yeah. Mr. Brown. Yeah. Pays attention to my wife. Yeah. <laughs> what an asshole. <laughs> Nobody pays attention to my wife, not even me. <laughs> but I, I was, I did, I felt like I, and like I wasn't good enough for Aaron and um, that it was my fault. And I didn't know that, you know, he was into drugs or, or that really alcohol was the issue yet. And um, I would try to punish myself. And um, 
like ruptured my Achilles. I talked about that. And I went the whole day with the ruptured Achilles and drove myself to the hospital after work. Um, my shoulder has been dislocated a couple times and all but the very first time I can 13 or so times pop it back in. And so I can handle pain. And so I felt like a good thing since I could handle pain and to punish myself. Um, I, um, have scars on my thigh. Cause I was just like, I've, I'm not, I'm not a good person. I'm not, um, my marriage isn't good. I can't go to my parents. I can't be, you know, um, be another daughter that they have to worry about. I can't be another cousin that gets a divorce. Um, so I, thankfully, um, I did. I, uh, and I felt bad that I almost went into this affair. And um, when Aaron, um, thankfully, one night he was just like, are you, are you and Mr. Brown talking? And I said, yes. And thank God it stopped. Um, is that when you, was it, was that near when you uh, came clean? Nah, that was that was a ways before it, I think, still. Um, so, and I still didn't. Oh, and then this was, too, like, when you finally did go to therapy, though, I was like, well, I'm going to go see a hypnotist. And um, I'm going to, he's going to be up in Estes Park getting acupuncture and all these wonderful things for a month. I'm going to go see if I can get hypnotized. So I went to a hypnotist, and she was just like, she started it with, um, do you have any reoccurring dreams? And there's this one dream that I would always have. And Aaron would know because I'd wake up crying about it. And it was my dog. I'd have this dream that, um, the dog who, um, who had died a long time ago was actually still alive in the backyard, in the kennel with no food, no water. He was neglected, forgotten about and not being loved and I just wake up bawling because I felt so bad and so the hypnotist asks you know do you have a dream that always recurs and I tell her yeah it's this one and I told her and she goes well often I find that that's how you guys are feeling and then I just started crying and I was like oh you know that's so true I'm so um I guess I don't know what my point to that was. I, th I think that um, when that, I was sort of going to answer one of the questions that I was going to ask you earlier was, you know, just about, you know, um, you know, what it might be like listening to living with somebody that's an alcoholic or that's a drug addict. And it's not so much, you know, there were times where I would come home drunk and go on a rant. You know, there was never any, you know, physical abuse. But mostly what I think it was was neglect. You know, I neglected Amber uh, a lot, you know, in, in a lot of different ways and about every way you can neglect somebody. And so, like, you know, Amber experienced a lot of neglect. And that dream that you were having, you know, was, you know, your dogs being neglected. Uh, does that sound is pretty close? Um I wanted to ask you too, though, because, you know, you went through the 12 steps, you experienced a change. Obviously you wouldn't get up and look for my hats anymore. Thanks, Amber. <laughs> That's so awesome. And, uh, but you, but you also, I mean, you know, you, at some point, you, you know, again, it wasn't, it was, you've got something out of it, but then it, it was taking more than you were, you know, able to receive at some point, you know, and then when I, you know, in, ended up going back out, you know, eventually ended up going away from the fellowship. And then when, 
when I got sober again this time, you're like, hey, I'm not going to go back there. And I was like, yeah, I don't care. Do, you know, do whatever you want to do. But I'll, but some things were gained from it. And I'm wondering if it was from your time in the 12-step rooms or from you know, the, the continued therapy that you that you did. Because at some point, or was it just human nature? Because at some point, you know, the last time around, you were like, look, I have to leave. And you weren't, you weren't, you weren't doing it. You weren't doing anything for me. You were trying to save your own life and you weren't bluffing. You weren't, there were no ulterior motives. At some point you just, you know, the the last time I came home and all of your shit was gone out of the house. Like you, you got your parents and you moved all your shit out of the house and you were like, and I, and whatever, whatever comes will come and whatever happens will happen. I just know I can't do this anymore. Like, how did you get to the point from the person who thinks it has something to do and who thinks that the shit that's going on in your life that has nothing to do with you is somehow because you're a bad person. How do you go from that to getting to the point where I'm going to take care of my needs. I have to do what's best for me as much as I love you, as much as I hurt, it hurts to leave as much. as I want to spend my and plan to spend my whole life with you. I can't do this shit one more day. Like, how do you go from that other place that that person who may have never done that and made that decision for themselves to the person that did make that, you know, make that decision for yourself and also may have saved my life at the same time. Like, I don't know if you know that. I mean, uh, so like, how do you get from there to there? So, um, so when I first started the program, it was definitely to be, you know, to do what a good wife would do, which was be very supportive and learn. But I did learn myself when I was in those rooms. Um, they, we have a lot of uh, slogans and um, the re- repetition of a lot of the slogans was very helpful to try to change the way that I thought because I thought it was up to me to fix it. Um, and that if I was your soulmate, you know, I could fix it, that you would be happy. Um, and when you left, I was fine because then I was thinking, yeah, you're really not an alcoholic. And, um, and then, um, and I would and I didn't like it when you were in it that first time either, because I thought it was very, um, it wasn't healthy. It seemed very negative. And then for myself, um, I think what I had learned, though, like the compassion, um, that I don't have to understand alcoholism or addiction, but I can still have compassion. And it doesn't mean that um, I uh, allow it to happen, but I, and to me, I know I don't know if you are still against the word accept, but I always felt that accept meant I don't fight it anymore. And that was, that meant I stopped trying to change it and control it. Um, because yeah, I didn't cause it, you know, all the three C's, um, and the live and let live. And it wasn't a one time, one year thing where I learned all of this. There were many different things. Um, I think Aaron has shared about um, my uh, cousin Kermit. Um, I remember he was an alcoholic, and he had asked if he could live with us. And um, I remember telling him no, 
because um, Aaron's doing well right now and we can't have it and, um, you know, disrupt this environment. And then uh, a couple months later is uh, when he ended up dying uh, by suicide. And I remembered that it's not just live and let live. Sometimes with this disease, it's uh, live and let die. And it's horrible. And I remember thinking that, you know, my aunt Lori and Uncle Cece, they would have, you know, they loved him endlessly and they would have had done anything for him as well. And love can't cure this. Um, and I remember when I first, like, I jump around in my head, sorry, but when Aaron first went to treatment, I t- went and told my parents, I was like, Aaron's going to tell you he's an alcoholic. And this is the way, because I'm trying to control stuff. <laughs> this is the way you're going to act. <laughs> so then my mom's like, oh, dear, should I make him cookies? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So, <laughs> always. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. We're, cookies we're just, are always in order. <laughs> we're just always trying to... Um, You know, I totally thought if I loved Aaron enough, if I was a good enough wife, um, or my mom, you know, if we make him enough cookies, we make life easier for him that this, and I, and I saw that again with uh, my cousin Kermit, um, and, and I realized, and it wasn't, I was actually happy when, um, you started to, I'd say you're more healthy the second time. But I remember one time you asked me, are you mad that these other people are helping me more that you could? And I'm like, no, no, you know, because that's what I want was you to be healthy because then it made me feel better. (laughs) And um, I never told you this, Kyle, but I kind of think like Kyle's like my sister wife because whenever whenever I have, whenever Aaron has a bad day. He, you call him, and then you get the tenth step, and you get, you know, everything. You, you get to deal, yeah. Kyle, with all of Aaron's bad attitude, and then I get the nice Aaron when you come That's home. So I'm funny. like, this is a great relationship. <laughs> yeah. I love it. So I'm actually happy. Shit with this just program. got weird. That's so funny. I love what that analogy. And all the shit that I thought might come out on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's that me and Amber are sister wives. <laughs> so funny. But I'm just like, I don't have to. And it's so much easier now because I don't have to be the one. It's not on me to make Aaron feel better. And that's how I always felt like it was up to me. Mm-hmm. And it was like walking on eggshells a lot. Um, but, <laughs> and I got someone in here with me, so thank you. Yes, got somebody course. in the trenches. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I think it probably helps when uh, you use a 10th step partner to Instead do 10th step. Your wife. Yeah, that's <laughs> yes. not really the go to. Right. I used to just complain a lot too. So. And I felt like I had to fix it. Yeah. And like one of this is another thing. Um, so I guess one of those things is the live and let live or live and let die. And um, we were talking one time with the other Dan, and you were talking about how, you know, I really didn't understand alcoholism. And it made me think of my Uncle Marty told me this story of this little boy who was at the, or this man who was walking on the beach, and this little boy made a hole in the sand in the beach, and then he went to the water, ocean, he, got a bucket, threw it in the hole, went back to the ocean, threw it, another bucket, and that little man's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm trying to put the whole ocean in here. And the little boy's 
um, little boy said, I'm trying to put the whole ocean into this hole. And the old man's like, you can't fit that whole ocean in there. And the little boy said, just like you can't fit all of God's plans and understandings into that little brain of yours. Mm -hmm. And I remember that and I was like, oh, that's a really good one. And then when I went to um, college, I was all alone and I didn't have my parents or family watch me play soccer. But my grandpa, who was my first relative, he had died. And it was just after I started to get to know him better because he lived with us those last couple months before he died. And then I went to college. And I'm like, well, now my grandpa's here with me. And so then one of the nuns in the classes was like, do you, do you understand because you believe or do you believe because you understand? And a lot of people were like, oh, you know, um, we believe because we understand. And what I realized is... You know, I didn't understand why my grandpa had to die right after I knew him. But now all of a sudden I'm walking from camp, you know, within campus all by myself. But now my grandpa's with me and he's watching my games. And what I realized was like, you know, I understand because I believe because I knew there was a reason. And Mm -hmm. that's the same with Aaron. I don't have to understand alcoholism or addiction to believe that it's a real thing. And I think that was something that helped me too, that I, it wasn't something that I can, could control or fix. And it wasn't my fault. Um, hmm. but. What is it like now with Aaron? Um, Cause like I, all I know is the stories that Aaron has said of like, you know, he used to smoke all the time. He wasn't very healthy. His diet wasn't very good. Um, his entire time was spent in, in a 12-step room or doing 12-step stuff and not really participating in much other stuff. What's it like now where, you know, Aaron, from from the stories I've heard, seems like a, almost an entirely different person. Is it, is it, um, I mean, what, what, I guess, what is that experience like? I'll just leave it open-ended. Um, Um, <laughs> There's nothing going on. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I guess I it definitely has changed a lot um, for the better. Um, I guess a funny thing is he used to be the one I guess hiding the drugs and going to odd places around the house, um, doing them, and now I'm the one who has like the dirt. Bag of Doritos hidden <laughs> in the back of M and M's and drawers, places I don't think he's gonna get. <laughs> but um, he is an inspiration to me. He like I, it doesn't mean I'm off running. Maybe I'll stretch. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> but um, definitely getting ready though. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. I got the equipment out there. <laughs> <laughs> got the exercise room set and ready to go. Exactly. <laughs> but it, I just feel I'm not forgotten about anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's if I say something, all of a sudden I have a Keurig, and it could have been where I just said in passing, I really wish I had a Keurig, and all of a sudden now I got one, and I'm like, oh my gosh, he's listening. Um, When we used to have for almost a year at our old house, I had made a rope handle for the front door because (laughs) the the handle was gone, and so I would be the one fixing things Mm -hmm. in the house, and now Aaron's fixing stuff, and I don't have to call my dad um, like I used to have to rely on him all the time. And 
it's just awesome because now I have someone who's taking care of me and who is listening to me. And I was talking about how I want um, my paddleboard to be able to take it. So we needed to put something in the truck. And what was really cool is that meant we had to put screws in your truck. And I think before he'd be like, I'm messing up my truck. And now it was like, oh, this is fine. I'm doing something that Amber wants. Mm -hmm. And it's awesome. I just, it's, it's, we've always kind of laughed throughout our marriage. But now uh, there's a lot more laughing. And I'm not doing things alone anymore. Like, we're taking care. I'm not even allowed to mow the lawn anymore. And it's yeah. like, <laughs> he's taking care of stuff. It's awesome. I don't know if you were ever allowed to mow the lawn. <laughs> <laughs> we got a story about that, too, someday. <laughs> but it's so, it's fun. I, I It's definitely a better marriage. It's a happier marriage. Um, and it's a real friendship. I remember I was trying... I kept church shopping because I was trying to find a church where we could uh, both um, have a relationship with God together. And um, it was AA, DAA, that has given us uh, that, or given, I guess, more you, that faith where we can now talk about and pray together. And Mm -hmm. it's a better marriage. Um, Friendship. We're getting pretty close, yeah. We're oh, like 40, sorry. No, we can talk as long as we want. We're 45 minutes in, so as long as oh, we okay. want. okay. Um, no, don't be sorry. This is awesome. I'm just... Uh, this is my favorite one already. <laughs> <You're not. laughs> it is. I like it a lot. I just I wanted to ask you about um, you today, because I've seen you do work. Um, uh, you know, not you did that 12-step work, you know, and that transformed you a lot. But then even this time around you realized that you had some more growth to do and Kyle and I are um you know I did I did EMDR for quite a while Kyle hit up enough sessions to uh to you know take care of what he had going on and you've been working very hard in that aspect too dealing with that underlying stuff about you know why you why you feel this way what's going on inside of you that doesn't have anything to do you know uh with me and I want to just ask you about that what's been what what's that been like doing the EMDR working hard to improve yourself and uh you're feeling different do you notice like do you ever have I never asked you about this do you ever have times where something happens and you handle it differently and you're like oh that was different or is it just more gradual like what's that been like because you're just you worry less uh, I, you're man, worrying is just your thing. And that's just probably something that's never going to go away, but you do worry less and in less ways than you used to. So, um, when you were more active, I guess, in your drinking and, um, the drug use, there would be so many times where I was out in the living room, not sleeping and had the anxiety and had panic attacks. Um, And that has gotten so much better now. Um, There'll be times where I'm talking about um, with my counselor, Stacy. you know, I'm just like, I noticed this happened. And um, so I'll see growths in myself. But like, even with this um, 
quarantine that happened, I saw I went back downwards a lot. Um, and she was saying that it probably was um, like a PTSD that was happening. Trauma again. response. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, but <laughs> yeah, like I have these mantras where, you know, I keep telling myself that I'm this strong person. And Strong black woman. Yes, I do. I really. <laughs> awesome. I think. I think black women are so beautiful and strong, and that's who I want to be. So my mantra is, "I'm a strong black woman, motherfucker." But that's now so awesome. my my counselor said I need to add 43 to it, so I'm a strong black 43 year old black woman, motherfucker. Because I still keep reverting to that kid where mm. I think I have no control and I need to. Um, I, I need to be that adaptive child. I need to, um, take care of everybody else. And I need to realize that I'm 43 years old and, um, I don't need to feel inferior to my employees or my employers. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's still a work in progress, but I think it's definitely better. Is definitely better. Yeah, absolutely is. Um, but I do have, like you guys have talked about it, and it's not good to compare. And I do that a lot too, because I'm. I'll talk to Stacy. I'm like, but Aaron's already done with EMDR. He graduated. Why am I still doing this? <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm not good enough. And so I will still, um, I guess, be hard on myself on not being healthy enough. So, I don't know. I'm still working. Yeah, I think like that, I don't want to sound like gloomy, but I think that never ends, honestly. That's my experience. <laughs> it's like, I'm, I, and I kind of like that about it today. It's like, oh yeah, I'm still a work in progress, you know? And it's like, I, like I, I might be okay in this area or in this situation, but I have this that I can get better at or this that I need to continue to work on and stuff. And like, um, the, the way I lived my life for the longest time was like, why am I not the finished product that I'm supposed to be? And then comparing myself to this unrealistic finished product that I think people are. And like a lot of clarity has come just with time and being around other people that are, are working on themselves is like, that uh I'm never that finished product like I I'm going to continue to work on that and that that can either ruin me or I can take that and be like that's the best part of my life today is that I I get to keep working on myself and if I don't like something about me I can work at it you know and I think that's what's cool about Aaron and and listening to you today is like you guys are two people that are continually doing that you know like I don't like smoking anymore I quit I don't like the way I handled that and I'm getting better at it. I'm going to EMDR or seeing a counselor. Like those are things to me that are really inspiring because um, it just doesn't get talked about enough, I don't think. I wish that it, this was an easier conversation to have, but it doesn't get talked about enough. So. And I don't really do a lot of the self-help um, mm-hmm. kind of books. Um, like The Untethered Soul, that'd probably be one of the only like just five books. And then if you guys ever watch the movie, I am by Tom Shattuck. That's really good too. But 
I do a lot of more now, just um, like sci-fi books. Mm -hmm. Like I do things. I was gonna say, what kind of books? Do you like Amber? <laughs> there used to be teen fantasy, but I've grown up <laughs> in the past year. <laughs> I'm now into the adult. <laughs> Those awesome. girls kept annoying me. I'm like, Aaron, they just keep doing silly things. I think I'm going to have to go to adult books. <laughs> like, maybe. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I guess it, and it's just um, doing things that aren't to impress others, mm -hmm. but doing things that are, that are just fun for me. And mm -hmm. so. Yeah, you might not have done that before, right? Like you wouldn't yeah. have listened to those books. Your husband would have made fun of you, like really made fun of you. Yes, not, he would have. Not in a loving, made fun no, of you kind of way, he right? And, uh, and, uh, and, and, and so much of that, I've experienced that in Colin and I've talked about that as like um, living the way I am, who I thought you might want me to be kind of a way, mm -hmm. you know? And like, that's the other thing I get to get to see. Like, um, you, you have the ability to take care of yourself now where you used to, if, um, you know, you need a, a nice pair of shoes, you'll buy them for yourself, you know, or you'll listen to the books that you enjoy because you enjoy listening to them and, and you'll go and you'll schedule yourself a massage. That's one thing that you really like to do is get massages. And so you'll take the time and spend the time to do that now. Whereas before you were always in sacrifice mode, you, like you wouldn't ever take care of mm -hmm. yourself. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess little things, but it makes a big difference mm -hmm. because I get in a way it is being authentic to myself, treating myself with. Yeah. Yeah. One thing you guys have really been um, like a good example of and for, for me to watch. I'm not involved in your marriage, of course, but I get to see it from the You're outside. Sister wife. Some sister wife. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Just hold on a minute. Maybe, is, maybe more than you know. <laughs> nice to see you guys. Um, like you both enjoy being together very much, but also enjoy doing your own things. And um, that, like Megan and I really strive to do that as well, because I think it's easy to get into a relationship and then it just turns into this weird thing where you're both you don't have your own independent life or go do your own thing or go, you know, listen to your own book or go, you know, like there's just this weird thing that kind of can happen in relationships. And from my perspective, as long as I've known you guys, it's been cool to see like the two of you enjoy each other's company together, but then also I see you both doing your own thing and enjoying your own stuff. And, and I love that. I think that is something to aspire to because like Megan and I, we really try to do that as well as like, there's just some stuff I'm not going to be into or she's not going to be into and that's okay. And it, and it's cool to see you guys doing that. And from my view, doing it successfully. And I think it's changed a bit too, though, because before we were still like that, we'd go do our own things like yours. I'd hang out with my parents a lot, which I still do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot. <laughs> or the dogs. Yeah. Real um, wild one over here. <laughs> yeah. But, um, like, you would go hang out with um, girlfriends, and it would make me feel very insecure. And yet those are things that we don't also do anymore. We do things that are uh, more considerate, of each other mm -hmm. and um 
but that is, I think that's one thing that we've always been good at is we've been good at supporting each other on whatever things we want to go do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. To your credit, like I'm just not the kind of person I'm, I just, I play, I play a lot and that looks like whatever, maybe golfing or, or triathlons or skiing or whatever, man, that's something that I, I would think I would lose my shit without. And that was some of the problem with my first time in the 12 step rooms is I only did 12 step stuff and I never went and played or mm-hmm. did anything like that. Moderation. Yeah. And and so like to your credit, like if I want to go, you know, head up skiing for on a Saturday, you're like, yeah, go and I'll go get a massage and I'll do my thing. And then Sunday we spend hanging out doing shit together. Yeah. We've like actually, we, yeah, go yeah. ahead. No. We actually do worse when we don't hang out. Yeah. Is what we've discovered. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole thing, like when I did think um, this last time when I thought we were going to get a divorce, um, we had you know, that saying in the Bible, um, faith, what is that saying in the Bible? Love, faith, hope, but the greatest of these is love. Oh, yeah. The from Corinthians or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, which was like our total wedding theme mm-hmm. and I can't remember it, but, um, when we had divorce, I was talking to Aaron about this. I was just like, you know what? Sometimes love though, wasn't the greatest thing in our marriage. Sometimes there were, there were phases where hope was the best. And then sometimes there were phases where there was faith was the strongest. And when I, when I went, um, when I found out that you were using again and I had left the house, I went to, took everything, went to my parents. Um, I came back home and you had this huge, like Sam's club size, empty, uh, tied laundry soap bottle of needles and you're just carrying around me, babe, I'm, I'm safe. I'm totally doing this safe. I'm not reusing. And I was like, Oh my God, he's going to die. And that was total faith right there. It was faith that if he's going to be with Kermit, um, God's at least is with him. So it was the faith that my husband might die, but, um, I have the faith that God will continue to be with him, even in the darkest or last moments. Mm -hmm. And then when we started to get back together, um, the greatest point there in our marriage was hope because it was the hope that, you know, maybe it will last this time. And I remember people, like one time your dad um, was just like, but you love him. You don't want to leave him. Why don't you love him? And I was like, yeah, I do love him, but that doesn't mean... And that's one thing I think that was awesome in the rooms of Al-Anon is that just because you love somebody does not mean you enable them and does not mean that you stay and help them, you know, slowly kill themselves. Um, and that, and all of those, of course, were extremely hard, the faith and the hope and, and the love. But um, I think a lot of different points in our marriage yeah sometimes hope got us through and sometimes faith got us through and and then sometimes love i just from my perspective about that too (laughs) just from my perspective about that too um like the fact that you left um when i got when i got home i was just sitting there in the big 
in an empty house alone, not that big of a house, but in an empty house alone. And I was just so sad and so alone and so scared. And it was, that's what I needed. I needed that. I was just, it was so easy for me to take comfort in her love. It was so great. Mm. Um, and so to not have that or to have that not there at more at a distance where I had to be there and sit in the mess that I had created, mm -hmm. it was, um, I don't think, I don't know if we could have been where we are today if I wouldn't, you know, like if you put your hand on a hot stove, you're going to have to deal with the burn that's left of it. And her being gone and me being in myself was me dealing with the burn in my life that I had created. So, yeah, it was, it was good. I'm, I'm glad you left. I love you. Love you. You guys are the best. Well, pretty much. Yeah. yeah One time Amber beat somebody up, but we're... Yeah. We'll save that for the next time she's on. It just anybody who's listened to this podcast, Amber does not sound like the person that would beat another person up, but she did. I heard that story when we were on our way down to the comedy festival. Yeah. So stay tuned for that on Amber's next episode on the podcast. So well, Amber, thank you so much for being on it and talking yeah. and being vulnerable. And You did great. Aaron, You're nice. Yeah, thanks for doing it Thank i've been you. on this side with megan and my mom so i know yeah. it's kind of it is weird yeah it's just a little because we're talking about you some so yeah. thank you both oh, for doing you. it and amber thanks you did great and uh, if this is the first one you've listened to since they're not going to be out for a while go back and listen to the first 79 you sons of bitches yeah we, we have an instagram that we'll probably sort maybe of. post some stuff <laughs> on we do all sorts of stuff and don't post yeah, anything we were, dude i ran a half marathon yeah, the other did, day dude. fuck yeah um it's recovered af podcast yep and we have a gmail a, yeah uh, if you need to in, get in touch with us on, on our uh, timeout, email us at recoveredafpodcast at gmail.com. Perfect. Thanks.